This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Whose image is impressed in your life? It ought to be the image of God. You were created in His image, and you and I as believers ought to be continually being transformed into His image. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but unto God what is God's. There does come a time that we do not obey the wicked leaders when we are told to disobey God. Do you ever have problems submitting to authority? Pastor David will be teaching on the authority of God in your life. The Lord commands all believers to submit to the authorities that are in office. You're only commanded to submit to your authorities as long as the authorities are not telling you to disobey God. If you disobey the civil authorities because you're choosing to obey God, then you need to be prepared to face the consequences. If you live a godly life, you will be persecuted. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 2 for the conclusion of our message entitled, The Authority of God. The father of Herod, who was in charge while Jesus was there, his father, Herod the Great, was the one who killed all the babies in Bethlehem, trying to destroy Jesus himself. So you see, when Jesus says, no, you don't have any power, except it comes from above, he was in a situation where the governing authority over him was vile, immoral, and totally apart from the direction and the purposes of God. Even Daniel himself, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the leader of the Babylonian Empire, an empire and a people, again, known for their viciousness and the way that they treated those that they came against, that they overpowered. Not quite as vile and vicious as the Assyrians, but again, there's nothing that uh, really the Babylonians uh, uh, lacked in the way of mistreatment of the people. And yet Daniel, after he had been ripped from home, ripped out of his country, his country destroyed, brought to a foreign land, forced to be able to be in servitude to the king at that point in time, he declares before God, God, I know that you're the one who raises up kings and brings them down. And the testimony of his life was such consistency that later Nebuchadnezzar was able to say, you know what, it's God, it's the Almighty, it's the Most High who raises up kings. Beloved, it's not because of the convenience that this scripture is true. This scripture is true whether it's convenient or not. Amen? Amen. We move on. Let's look a little bit more. Otherwise, you're going to run out of time. Verses uh, 2 and 3 speak to us that those who oppress and overthrow the government are rebelling against God. Say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Listen to what it says. Verse 2 and 3, back in Romans 13. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what's good, and you will have praise from the same. Oh, but pastor... He doesn't realize what's going on in our society. I I just explained that, yes, he does. And in their situation, it was much, much worse than what we see today. But you need to understand that in these verses, too, there are limits that are given to the powers and the authorities of governments. There are limits that are given, just as he said there in, in those verses, that the rulers are not a terror for good works, but to evil. That is their purpose. That's their direction of, again, 
pertaining and caring for the good and not the evil. We know that there's limits to the powers and to the authorities of government. When we look even at the life of Jesus, in Matthew 22, we see the situation where they came to Jesus with, with the question. They said, well, tell us, good teacher, is it right that we pay taxes to Caesar? And what did Jesus do? He says, give me one of your coins. And he took the coin and he held it up and he said, whose image is impressed upon this coin? They all understood and knew. They said, well, it's Caesar's image. And he spoke those words, and he says, Then render unto Caesar's those things that are Caesar's, and unto God those things that are God's. Let me ask you, whose image is impressed in your life? It ought to be the image of God. You were created in his image, and you and I as believers ought to be continually being transformed into his image. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but unto God what is God's. There does come a time that we do not obey the wicked leaders when we are told to disobey God. That's the only difference that we have. We resist the wickedness of leaders when we are told to disobey God. We look at the life of Daniel first. We go back in Daniel. When Daniel was brought into the Babylonian uh, stronghold and into that society, he was told, no, you need to eat this non-kosher meal to keep strong and to continue your body. And Daniel says, but listen, I, I don't eat those kinds of things. Let me eat just the fruits and the vegetables and uh, then come back and check on me later and see if God doesn't maintain my strength and my vitality to be able to serve you. And so they allowed him to do that. He resisted the government, but in a way that, again, he was able to show that God was able to care for him and strengthen him. But then we come to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were told to bow down, but they said, no, no. Uh, that's how the song goes anyway. But... Uh, uh, again, the whole story there of bowing down before Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, no, we cannot bow down. They had to face the consequences of choosing God over choosing the authority. And the consequences were they were thrown into the fiery furnace. But even in the midst of that, God protected them at that point in time. And because of that, the testimony of their lives impacted Nebuchadnezzar to the point that suddenly he started seeing the reality of the God whom they served. If we disobey the civil authorities in obeying God, we need to be ready to face the consequences or the, the, the results of that. The first century believers did. When they failed to bow down before Caesar, that's why they were thrown into the Colosseum. That's why they were murdered and destroyed during that time, because there was a time that a line was drawn. We see in Acts chapter 4, as Peter and John, who had been proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, were brought before the courts, and the courts told them, you are to no more preach or teach in this man's name. And they asked, and they said, well, you tell us what we should do. Is it better for us to obey man or to obey God? What we're going to do is obey God. They took the stand of obeying God versus obeying man. The consequences of that, they were beaten. And then when they got back to the rest of the group of the Christians, the prayer that they prayed was not, Lord, go get them. Lord, cause this government to fail. Cause those people to suffer more than we suffered. No, their prayer to God at that point in time was, Thank you, Lord, that we were worthy of suffering for your name. Allow us to be bold, to be strong, and continue on in the testimony. Well, there's much more to this. We look at verses 4 and 5 here in Romans 13. 
speaks a little bit more about the limits and the authority of government. In verses 4 and 5, it says, for, God, for he, speaking the authority or the government, he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for consciousness' sake. The government is there to protect and defend from evil. That is the purpose of the government. We see that throughout this passage. We see that throughout the instructions that we read in the New Testament of why the government is there. We also see here that they are to secure the well-being of the people. And because of that, they put into place armies and police and judges and those kinds of things, again, to maintain the well-being of the people. When he says that they have a sword That's the authority and that's the power that they have. But we see also that there is a proper use of the sword. Whether that sword be in the area of imprisonment or even in capital punishment. Now, whether you agree with capital punishment or not, that's not the point of my message today. These things were given and placed there, again, to maintain order in the structure that God had formed and fashioned. The government was given the responsibility of maintaining that order. They've given the authority and they've been given the power of the sword to yield it correctly, to use it correctly, not incorrectly. Is it used incorrectly at times? Absolutely. Is there false imprisonment sometimes? Absolutely. Is there capital punishment that's gone wrong? You bet there is. But that does not negate the responsibility and the reality of the authority of the government to maintain the order. And the very interesting thing there that he speaks about is that they are ministers of God to the affairs of man, that they're ministers of God. Do you think about that when a policeman stops you because you're speeding? And you tell him, well, thank you, uh, minister, for uh, stopping me. Uh, their whole purpose is to, again, protect the welfare not only of you, but of all of society. The reasoning that they're there. Do we disagree with them at times? Yes, we do. And we'll look at that in a moment. Now comes the other part, and this is the really tough part. Verses 6 and 7. The authority and the power to collect taxes. Verse 6, he says, because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. All of these things were given. Taxes are to be paid for the benefit of having a government. And, beloved, you don't want to not have a government. Because without government, it is anarchy. Every man doing what's right in his own eyes. Every man doing what he desires. I look out and uh, you suddenly you have something that I want. If I can overpower you, it's now mine. Because there's no laws, there's no rules, there's no authority, there's no power to be able to maintain those things. The taxes that we pay maintain the government. And yes, I agree with you. There is great misuse in the funds of our government. I understand that. But I also understand that we have opportunity on a regular basis to be able to vote. That's the great freedom that we have. We are one of few societies in the world that have that opportunity to do it. To be able to vote, to be able to vote toward our conscience, to be able to vote toward our desires. And my question to you this morning is, do you take that opportunity? 
You and I as believers ought to have the highest percentage of voters of any other group. Even though we know that it is God who authorizes and sets up kings, we have been given the freedom, and with freedom comes responsibility. To be able to prayerfully consider what and what direction we should go, how we should vote, and then we allow God to do what he desires to do. Who knows, God may, through the process of our voting, bring about hanging Chad or pregnant Chad to where it may upset a difference in votes. We don't know how that all works, but I do know that there is a responsibility that you and I have to vote and to be able to input our conscience and our morals within what we've got. It also speaks there in verse 7 about the fact that we are owe them our respect and our honor. Now, you might be saying, whoa, 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 there is no way that I'm going to respect him. There is no way that I'm going to honor her. There's no way that I'm going to respect that portion or that issue. Beloved, understand that our respect and our honor are due to the position of authority that God has instituted. The individuals themselves may be disrespectful. The individuals themselves may be unhonorable. But in the position of authority, you and I as believers, according to God's word, are to give honor and respect to those who are put in the place of authority. So what happens when you and I don't agree with what's going on? Is it a personal issue that suddenly I don't like this tax, I don't like that direction, therefore I am going to rebel? Then I would bring you back to verse 1 that it speaks about resisting and rebelling. Again, you are rebelling against God. But what happens if it's much, much more than that? All we have to do is go back to the history of our country, the birth of our country, and we see a people who have rebelled who turned against the authority that was over them. But you and I need to realize that these men who formed and fashioned the, again, the rebelling, the the breaking away from the, the tyranny of England and the king of England at that point in time, were men who were seeking God for years before those decisions were made. For years there were discussions, there were arguments, there were prayers, there was debate upon whether or not Chapter 13 of Romans would allow them to do what they were intending to do, to resist and break free from the government. The import of Scripture and the the demands and directions of Scripture, both here in Romans as well as in Peter, as well as the other Scriptures that we read and a multitude of others, weighed very, very heavily on the hearts and minds of many of those who were in those earlier days of bringing about uh, the revolution of our country and the separation of our country from the tyranny of the King of England and that society. This was nothing that they did lighthearted. It was nothing that they did simply out of selfish ambition. This is nothing that they did just simply to get their way. They realized through a long process of ordeals, again, of prayer, of debate, of discussion, of even reading the Word of God and discussing how that impacts what we are about to do, that they made the decisions that they made in order to break free from the government that we were under at that point in time. Breaking free and rebelling from a government is nothing that you and I should ever take light-hearted, simply because we don't agree with one or two things, or a simply process, or simply because my party is not in control, or because a particular law has been passed that I personally don't agree with. 
to help you to understand the depth of the decision that was made by our founding fathers. I want you to look at a couple of documents that you may be familiar with. Hopefully, if you're a citizen of the United States, you are familiar with these documents. The first one is the opening paragraphs of the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence. They write these words in the opening paragraphs. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to separation. What are they saying here? They're saying that this is such a heavy and a weighty matter. Now, first of all, even before I... This is not Scripture, okay? I want you to understand, this is not Scripture. This is, this is the word of man of the decisions that they were making based on not only the situation that they had, but the leading of God and again, entrusting him for this. But what they are saying in this, this is such a weighty matter, that in this Declaration of Independence, we are going to lay out the reasonings behind our separating from the tyranny that we are under. And they took much, much time and processes to bring these things about. Many rewrites of, again, forming and fashioning exactly what they wanted to say, so that there was no confusion that they weren't simply anarchists. That they weren't simply, hey, we're, we're over here, you're over there, we don't want you controlling us, we're going to start our own little thing. No, this was a very, very weighty matter, folks, and you need to understand that. It goes on with these words, very familiar words, I think, to many of you. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these things, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. See, the interesting thing is they're not shucking off government. They know that government is necessary for their well-being. They know that government and the authority of government was necessary for a society to maintain the order and the the structure that God had formed and fashioned them. He, they go on a little bit later in this Declaration of Independence, uh, uh, a passage that I didn't put up there just simply for time and space. They write these words, Such has been the patient suffrage of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. And to prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. Then following that, they listed a multitude of offenses that Great Britain and the king of Great Britain had done against the colonies of the United States. And because of all of those things, they're saying, we now have come to this very important, very serious step of separating ourselves and resisting that authority. Did it cost these men anything to resist? It cost them everything. Everything. 
These men, many of them were well-to-do, well-to-do farmers and uh, merchants, uh, ministers. They lost lives, they lost families, they lost homes, they lost fortunes. Every one of them lost in the physical realm because they were willing to pay the cost. That they believed that God was leading them in this direction and it's only because they felt that God was leading them. Not because of their personal inconvenience, not because of their personal comfort, but because they felt that God was leading them to form and to establish a new government. We see it even in the Declaration or in the Constitution of the United States. In the opening verses of the Constitution, we read, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, those who will come after us, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Beloved, what a powerful, powerful thing it was, the birth of our country. To resist the authority that was set before them, men who the vast majority of them were Christian men, despite historical revisions and rewritings. Many of those men were also even as ministers or deacons or elders within churches. Their truth or their, their faith in the Word of God was so intense that they knew that it was a very heavy and weighty thing to resist the government. Why? Because they understood and know, knew that even the most ter tyrannical of situations, the faithfulness of you and I as believers, speak volumes of the reality of who God is and of our faith and trust in Him. That you and I stand as a light and salt in a world that is not our world. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is not your home. You're only an alien here. And in that whole idea and thought that you and I have a different home, it's like the old song used to be, um, this old world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. But how do we live? Do we live as citizens of our kingdom? Do we live as people who are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God? Or do we live as people who want my way all the time? We're given great freedom in our country to be able to stand against many of the things that are going on in our country. And I know that there's a multitude of things. I'm not ignorant of those things. And I despise much of what's going on within our government from the national to the state to even to the local, even to school boards. These kinds of things that, again, I believe bring great destruction on many of the freedoms that we have and really do come against the cause of Christ. But what I'm saying is you and I need to weigh heavily how and where we take a stand. And the fact that in the midst of the stand that we still respect and honor positions of authority. It was just after the Revolutionary War, after, again, the peace treaties had been signed, that one of the founders of the Declaration of Independence, one of the founders of our Constitution, John Adams, 
was sent as an ambassador to England to go and stand before the king of England, the one who he had just fought against, who he just rebelled against. And John Adams writes the fact that yet even in the midst of that, he had great respect for that man because of the position. He did not agree with his actions. He did not agree with his directions as king, but he had great respect and honor for him simply because he was the king. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue verse by verse through the book of Romans next time. It's been said that if a believer were to drop their Bible on the ground, it should fall open to the book of Romans. Why, you might ask? Because this book is packed full of doctrine that we truly need to grasp as believers in Jesus. Or maybe you're listening today and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus yet. We encourage you to continue tuning in Monday through Friday as Pastor David shares insights from this book. Pastor David will be teaching through this book with hopes that all those tuning in each day here on The Open Word would either be saved or be encouraged in their salvation. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. And to become our Facebook friend or to follow The Open Word Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study of Pastor David's teaching through the Book of Romans. That's next time on The Open Word. 